Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast, a very special candlelight edition of the Glory UGA podcast. And no, before you ask, I am not trying to reenact 1783, not what's going on here. We had a crazy, violent storm materialize essentially out of nowhere here in Athens. Maybe I should have been paying closer attention to the weather. I don't know. But it came out of nowhere. The skies got real dark, like purple kind of thing, like apocalyptic type stuff. And then the floodgates opened, crazy winds, like 75 mile an hour plus gust, hail, crazy stuff. It was short, only lasted about four or five minutes, but it was violent. And my power has been off for, well, two and a half, three hours at this point. There are trees down on power lines all over the place, all throughout town. So not great, not great. And honestly, I have no idea when our power is going to be on. It doesn't look good right now. I'm hoping at some point tonight, I'm going to try to wait out, but I don't know. But here's the deal, guys. Tonight, Curtis and I were scheduled to hop on and record an episode revealing our top 10 players for the 2023 season. That was the plan. That's what we were going to do. We were all ready to do that. I was just waiting for Curtis to get home from work. That's why we hadn't already recorded it. You know, he's doing his lawyer thing, putting the hours. God bless him. But literally about 15 minutes before we were scheduled to sit down and record, the storm came through. My power goes out. I'm texting with Curtis saying, hey man, I don't want to make you sit here and wait. Let's just see what goes on here for the next 30 minutes or so. 30 minutes go by, still no power. Hour goes by, still no power. Curtis goes and gets some food. And finally, I just text him like, look, dude, I don't want to make you sit around and wait all day and kind of hold you hostage. That's crazy. Just go about your life, do your thing. And we'll, we'll get back to this sometime next week. And that was the right move because I sit here about three hours later and still no power. But fortunately, my recording software does not require Wi-Fi. Now, uploading it, we'll see how that, go- how that goes. That's a totally different story. I have to have Wi-Fi to actually upload the episode. So we'll see. Hopefully, the power comes on and I can do that. But I honestly have no idea when that's going to be. I'm hoping, again, sometime tonight. But I have no guarantees that's going to be the case. It might be tomorrow morning. might be tomorrow afternoon. It might be Saturday. I don't know. But whenever that power does come back on, the Wi-Fi is up and running, I do want to have this episode recorded so I can just upload it and get it out to you guys as soon as humanly possible. And I know this sounds a little crazy, like I'm sitting here literally by candlelight right now recording this episode, and that is like a little insane, I get that. Like, dude, just call it a day, throw in the towel, it's okay. But see, I just, I can't do that because 
I feel guilty. I want to get this content out to you guys. We only had two episodes last week. I've been promising you three episodes all throughout July, all throughout August. That's what we do each and every offseason to kind of get you guys hyped up and get you ready, get you prepared for the coming season. And I fell short of that last week because I was on vacation and I didn't want to make that two weeks in a row. So why not? I mean, power, no power, candlelight, doesn't matter. Just recording an episode, just talking some football. The only holdup is, like, the only reason I consider not doing this episode right now is because I've done a lot of research on Kentucky and I have a bunch of stats, numbers, all that kind of stuff to throw out at you guys. Now I've watched all the tape, I've gotten all that, so I feel completely confident sitting here talking about Kentucky, but I like to, you know, back up some things, some thoughts with, with numbers, stats, to add more context to some of the things I'm going to throw at you guys today. But all that information is on a Google Doc and I can't pull it up right now because I don't have Wi-Fi. I've soaked up some of those numbers in my brain over the past couple of weeks and months or so of doing all this research. So I can throw some things at you, but I'm not going to have all of them. You might have to double check me on some of them. But I still know what I think about Kentucky, how I feel about these guys. I still know their roster. I still know their coaching staff. So we're going to make it happen. And I guess the only thing we have left to do before we get started is to remind you guys about our good friends at Alumni Hall. I can't forget to do that. Alumni Hall, guys, they've got you covered for all your 2023 game day gear needs. If you are one of the fine, follically challenged people out there in the world like I am, and you need a little protection for your head out there on Saturdays, Alumni Hall has got the greatest selection of Georgia hats that you're going to find anywhere. They literally have an entire hat wall of just all sorts of different types of Georgia hats. If you like the athletic hats or the golf hats like I do, if you like the old school hats, if you like trucker hats, if you like visors, whatever you're looking for, they literally have an entire wall of hats. So check them out today. Polos, t-shirts, whatever you want. Alumni Hall's got it. So stop in today inside the Epsbridge Shopping Center here in the Classic City or online at alumnihall.com because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. But all right, guys, let's dive into Kentucky, man. That's what we're here to do. Let's get into this. So let's start with this. Let's go back to last year. You guys probably remember me talking about Kentucky just about this time last year, coming coming into the 2022 season, and I made it very clear that I did not like Kentucky as much as everyone else did last year. Their win total, I don't know if you guys remember this, their win total coming into last season was Eight. Now, you might be sitting there saying, like, well, that's not that much. I mean, Georgia was, was 10 and a half. Like, guys, we we're talking about Kentucky. So what we were saying was Kentucky had to win nine games last year to go over that win total of eight. And I was looking at that roster. I'm like, there's no way in hell. There's no way in hell that is going to happen. Why did I think there was no way in hell that was going to happen? Well, number one, Will Levis. Number two, they lost Liam Cohn, who was their offensive coordinator, who was hired by the Los Angeles Rams to be their offensive coordinator. And he had just produced the best offense in recent memory at Kentucky. And guys, we know under Mark Stoops, they've been great defensively. Offensively, traditionally, it's been a challenge to them. It was not the case in 2021. That was by far the best offensive output under Mark Stoops. And Liam Cohen, in his one year's OC, was primarily responsible responsible for that. So with him leaving and going back to the NFL, which is where he came from, I thought that was a big blow. Then on top of that, they lost literally their entire offensive line, guys. I think it was four out of five starters. And we aren't talking about just like some ho-hum guys. We're talking, we were talking about some legitimate studs. Two of those guys were NFL players. They're on NFL rosters right now. Back in 2021, I think you could have made a legitimate argument that the Kentucky offensive line was the best in the entire Southeastern Conference. So last season, this was a team that was going to basically be starting all over from scratch on the offensive line for a team that features a strong power rushing attack type of identity. They want to be physical. They want to bully you. They want to win the line of scrimmage. A lot like we do, guys. I mean, their offensive philosophy is basically ours. 
They want to run the football, establish a run, be physical, and then work play action off of that. And without that strong offensive line losing all those players, I had some serious questions coming in last year whether they were going to be able to do that. Then on top of that, they lose their best weapon offensively in Wandell Robinson. I knew Chris Rodriguez, who's a great running back for a couple of years, was one of the more underrated running backs in the league. But coming into last season, people had finally caught on like, oh yeah, this guy's really good. And so I think that was factoring into the high expectations for Kentucky. But I'm looking at Chris Rodriguez, and yeah, I agree. Chris Rodriguez was really, really good. He fit that offense, fit their identity, was a tough, powerful runner. But I also knew coming to last year, if you were just paying attention, that he was going to miss the first quarter of the season. He was going to be suspended for the first four games. Now, they didn't officially announce that, but if you were paying attention to some of his offseason issues, there was no doubt this guy was going to be suspended for four games. That was going to happen, and yeah, he ended up being suspended for four games. So when you look at all of those issues, all those concerns I had about the Kentucky, really the Kentucky offense last year, and you think about this, like Kentucky is not the type of program that can just go out and replace high-level talent year over year, like we do, right? We recruit at a high enough level annually every year we've stacked elite recruiting class on top of elite recruiting class on top of elite recruiting class year after year when we lose a guy guys like Jordan Davis or Devontae Wyatt on the defensive line two guys that were drafted in the first round of the NFL draft no big deal right because we got Jalen Carter plug and play we don't really skip a beat you lose a guy like Lewis Seen and you plug and play Malachi Starks yeah he's a fresh made some fresh mistakes but the, the guy is uber talented Kentucky is not that Kentucky is not that type of program. They don't recruit like that. Now, the transfer portal has mitigated those issues to some degree, but still, there are certain programs out there like Kentucky that simply do not have the recruiting firepower to be able to replace that type of attrition year in and year out. They have to build up to that. They have to develop up to that. And that's why, you know, Kentucky can absolutely win 10 games like they did in 2021, but they're not going to win 10 games two, three, four years in a row. It's just not going to happen. That program is not built that way. It doesn't work for programs like that. It doesn't work that way at all. I mean, go back. Let's look at their record the past couple years. So uh, Stoops early years, not great, solid. He was building something. Uh, what was he goes? Uh, five and seven, five and seven, seven, six, seven and six. 2018, 10 wins. Okay, well, they fall back down. 2019, eight and five. 2020, five and six. What happens in 2021? Back up to 10 3. So there were two years between 10 win seasons. They have to build back up to that. They can't just replace those types of players in one year. It doesn't happen for programs like that. I don't think Kentucky will ever bottom out under Mark Stoops. I have way too much respect for him. I think he's far too good of a coach. I think they have a very high floor under Mark Stoops now that he's got that program rolling. But as much respect as I have for Stoops, this is never going to be a perennial 10-win team. It's just not going to be. They're not built that way. So yes, I had some very serious doubts about this Kentucky team coming into last season. And really, it was the offense, because the defense, I, I felt, was going to be solid, going to be strong, because it's Mark Stoops, right? They always have a good defense. Some years, their defense is better than others. Sometimes it's like a borderline elite defense. Sometimes it's a good defense, but they're always at least solid. They're never bad. So I, I figured it'd be much the same, and I, and I, I liked some of the talent they had coming into, into last year. They lost some guys, but I felt like they had some young players that were going to play at a high level, and, and they generally did. But the biggest reason I had concern about the Kentucky team last year was the offense. It was unequivocally the worst offense in the entire SEC. And guys, again, I don't have all my numbers in front of me here, but off the top of my head, I know they were dead last in the SEC in both total offense and yards per play. And guys, we're talking like even worse than Vanderbilt. Yes, the Vanderbilt offense, believe it or not, was better than Kentucky last year. And that was with a second round pick at quarterback, which is crazy to think of that guy. I mean, I know everyone was like, oh my God, he dropped the second round. I'm shocked that anyone even dropped that guy in the second round. Like, I, I mean, I know that the, the tools are there, I guess, but man, like, 
Talk about, I'm, I'm more of a production guy. Like, what have you actually done for me on the field? And man, the dude just could not produce. But they were the worst team in the entire league offensively last year. Explosiveness, efficiency, you name it, they were the worst. Now, again, the, a big part of that, in my opinion, kind of played out exactly how I thought it would. They lost Liam Cohen, who was a big part of why they were so good on offense in 2021, or at least much better on offense in 2021. They replaced him with, with Rich Scangrello, who also came from the NFL, and it just didn't work out, man. It did not work out the same way. Now, I don't want to put it all on Scangrello because the offensive line was an absolute disaster. They went from having, and guys, I, I mean, I don't say that lightly, an absolute disaster. And that doesn't even do it justice. Like it was so, so bad. I mean, I, I don't really, I'm not a Will Levis guy. I don't think he's very good. And I think he's really kind of a cocky jerk. But at times I've sat there and watched her games. Like, dude, I feel kind of bad for this guy. Like he's just getting murdered out there. And you can see the frustration because, you know, he is kind of like a, a hothead kind of guy. He, he'd go out there and like slam balls down the ground and like start cussing out his offensive line. And it's like, I mean, I guess in some way I kind of get it because like, you're just getting killed here. You have no chance. Guys, their offensive line went from being one of the best offensive line in the entire country in 21 to probably, arguably the worst, I mean, at least in power five last year. I mean, it was, I mean, it was up there. I mean, I know you got like Indiana and you got teams like that and like Rutgers, but I mean, it was bad, dude. I mean, they gave up 46 sacks. That's a number I do remember. It's like, how can you not remember that? They gave up 46 sacks last year, guys. Yeah, you guessed it. Dead last in the entire league. To give you a little context there, you guys know how many sacks that we gave up last year? I know we're Georgia. We won the national championship and we had one of the best offensive line in the country. We gave up nine. We gave up nine sacks. They gave up 46. You guys know, I tell you often, I'm not a math guy, not a math guy. I can do that math. That's more than five times the amount of sacks that we gave up last year. That's insanity. When you're going from being one of the best offensive lines in the country to that bad, and that's case in point, guys. That is exactly what I am talking about. Kentucky is not the type of program that just replaces high-level players like that in one year. It does not happen. And then you have Will Levis. I know I've already talked about him a little bit, but let's get into Will Levis a little bit more here. I mean, look, I'm going to give the guy a break here. He was banged up at times last year. I think he missed two games, and like their quarterback situation when he didn't play, it was just downright hideous. It was terrible. So the offensive line did almost get him killed a couple times. He was banged up. But let's also just be real here, man. Like, let's just call it how it is. The dude just sucked. He just sucked as a college player. Now, I'm not saying he's going to suck as an NFL player because he is toolsy. I know the comparison is Josh Allen wasn't that great in college and had that high-level production, but the, the tools are there. We can, we can develop in the NFL. Maybe, man. Maybe. I don't know. I'll, I'm a college guy. All right? I'm a college guy here. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll watch the NFL casually here and there. I'm a college guy. I mean, I dive into stuff. I'm wa obviously watching all day Saturday. I'm watching all day Sunday. I mean, I'm, all the games I need to watch, you guys know how I roll. I, I had those games recorded. I'm watching those games, those secondary games on Sunday. Hell, I'm even watching games into Monday, sometimes even Tuesday. You got games on Thursday night. So I'm a college guy, okay? So I care about what your production was in college. And the dude sucked as a college player. He just simply was not any good. And that's probably... The biggest reason, there are other reasons, like like Liam Cohen leaving the offensive line, all that, but he was probably the single biggest reason why I faded Kentucky last year. It was just simply my certainty that he wasn't any good after what I saw from him in 2021. I mean, God, the guy threw 23 interceptions in two seasons, guys. 23 interceptions in two seasons, and he didn't even play all of last year. He missed a couple of games. He was a ridiculously poor decision maker. I mean, guys, they would dial it up. So like, you know, like I said, they were, they were a... 
run the football, powerful physical rushing attack, set up play action. And when they would set up, call those play action shots on the field, it didn't matter if his primary receiver was triple covered. It simply didn't matter. If they called that shot play, the dude was going to throw the ball. He didn't freaking care. And it cost them time and time again. And I can't tell you how many wide open receivers run on the field you would see watching this Kentucky team in, in 2021 and 2022. And the, he just flat out missed them. Just, I mean, just like not even close, just missing guys. The closest comparison I can give you guys, like a high profile name in college football that's kind of been like that recently was Quinn Ewers last year from Texas. I don't know if you guys watched much Texas last year, but Quinn Ewers was so bad. I mean, I'm same thing I saw with Will Levis. Guys running wide open down the field and you can't even come close to putting it on them. It was bad. So he is why I faded them. And you know what, guys? I don't get them all right. You guys know, I'll be honest, I missed Arkansas last year. I was very high on Arkansas coming in last year. And I, I still think Arkansas, Arkansas was good, you know, whatever. They, they I think what, they lost three games by four points combined, something like that. I still think Arkansas was better than the record said they were last year. I know people say, oh, you are what your record says you are. I'm like, eh, not always. And KJ Jefferson missed a bunch of time. Whatever. I was wrong on them. I missed that. I missed, I, I lost that bet. Whatever. I hit Kentucky though. I was on Kentucky. That was also one of my win total bets last year. I was under on Kentucky and went big on the under on Kentucky and, and nailed that one. And it's just for the reason I laid out, guys, like it was pretty obvious to me this was not going to be a team that was going to go back to back as like a 9-10 win season two years in a row. It just wasn't going to happen. So no, I was not buying Kentucky last year when most everyone else was. This year, however, I am all over the Wildcats. It's like the inverse from last year. I don't want to say that no one thinks Kentucky's going to be good. I don't, I don't want to say that everyone's saying that Kentucky's going to be terrible, garbage. That's not what I'm saying. But you guys know, like you've listened to the national conversation. There are not near the expectations for Kentucky this year as there were coming in last year. I mean, guys, Chris Doring, let's not forget. I know I, I've mentioned this a couple of times. I just, just stuck with me because I was like, no, Kentucky's going to suck, dude. Chris Doring from SEC Network at SEC Media Days last year, like literally like this time last year, went on national television and predicted that Kentucky was going to upset Georgia. And I'm like, dude, you're insane. Like you've just lost all credibility. I know everyone makes predictions. You get some right, you get some wrong. But sometimes predictions are just so outlandish and so absurdly wrong that I just can't respect you anymore. And that was kind of what happened there with Chris Dorian. Just, I can't, man. I can't take the guy seriously anymore. But that's a sign of how seriously people were taking Kentucky last year. There were people actually predicting them to beat the defending national champions. This year, no one's making that case. No one's making those kind of predictions. But when I look at this Kentucky team this year, which is what we care about, like, yeah, last year was last year. What, what, what have we got going on this year? That's what we're looking at. When I look at this Kentucky roster this year, I see a team that absolutely can take a, a, a step forward. Now, I don't think this is a 10-win team. I don't think it's a 10-win team. But I think it's better than a 7-win team. I think this is a team that can get to 8 or 9 wins. And I feel pretty confident. And guys, their win total right now, so it's another sign of like the expectation just being lower for Kentucky this year. Their win total was 8 last year. Their win total right now, six and a half. And you better believe it. Your boy has already been all over that. As of right now, Kentucky over six and a half is my biggest win total bet of the season. I've got some time to lay a few more down, and I will. I, oh, I absolutely will. But I don't know if I'm going to go any heavier on any other teams than I have with Kentucky. I believe in this team this year. And it's kind of like I said with Auburn last year, last week. When I say I believe in them, I'm not saying I believe in like to win the conference type level stuff. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not even saying I believe in like to the 10 win level. I believe in them to be a team that can get back to eight or nine wins. And I think they have a legitimate chance to finish second in the SEC East this year. I know Tennessee is a team that everyone is just plugging in at, at the number two spot in the division. And that's probably the safe, that is a safe bet. That's probably the correct bet there. But I also wouldn't completely discount Kentucky. I think Kentucky's got a shot. Now they do have to play 
Alabama and Georgia this year. And then obviously they play us every year. They don't always play Alabama. They do have to play Alabama this year. They, I think that I'm pretty sure they get them in Lexington, if I remember correctly, but they're not going to win the game regardless of where it's played. So that hurts them. Like if they didn't have Alabama on the schedule and they had like, I don't know, like I, they always had Mississippi State, but if they had like, let's say Ole Miss at home, or if they had even Auburn at home, or even Auburn on the road, if they had a team like that, like maybe I could say they had nine or 10 wins, maybe, possibly. But with Alabama, Georgia, that's two automatic losses right there. Tennessee's close to an automatic loss. Although I think Kentucky, I don't know. I don't know. It could be an interesting one, but Tennessee should beat them. So that should be three losses right there. But if there was no Alabama, I mean, I could say like two sure losses and they can win every other game. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get into why I actually like this Kentucky team this year, all right? So this is, for me, it's kind of one of those like sell low, buy high situations, and I think the value is sky high on Kentucky this year. I really do. Six and a half, again, they're not going to bottom out under Mark Stoops anymore. Like He's got this program rolling. They're going to win seven, eight games minimum, in my opinion, this year. And the reason I believe that is I think they've taken significant strides to correct all the issues that I saw coming into last year for this team. And I want to start the quarterback position, right? I've already bashed Will Levis. We're done with the Will Levis bashing. I want to talk about their guy this year. So when a guy like Will Levis moves on, you know, ostensibly you look at it and say, oh man, they're losing a second round NFL draft pick. Kentucky doesn't usually have guys like that. Like how could they possibly be any better at that that position? And as I told you guys, well, easy because Will Levis wasn't good last year. They went into the transfer portal and they got a guy from NC State by the name of Devin Leary. I don't know how much NC State you've watched over the past couple of years. I watch a lot of college football. I know a lot of you do. You've probably seen this guy. You know the name. He has had a very injury-played career. He's only finished one full season as a starting quarterback, and that was back in 2021. And again, I don't have all my numbers here in front of me, but I do remember these numbers on the top of my head. I think it was like 3,400 yards passing, 35 touchdowns to five interceptions. Guys, that one single season, I know it was only one season, and I know he hasn't been able to still stay healthy. Got hurt halfway through last year. Got hurt the year, I was at 2020 during the COVID year. Got hurt in that season. He's been banged up a lot throughout his career. But the year that he was able to stay healthy, he put, I don't want to say he wasn't elite, but he put up big time numbers. Like he was highly, highly productive. In fact, 
put up numbers in that one season that Will Levis, at no point in his career, did he ever come close to producing numbers like that. Not even close. And Leary, when you watch him play, he really is everything Levis is not. Now, he is not as toolsy as Levis. He doesn't have that kind of arm. He doesn't have that kind of size, that kind of athleticism. He doesn't have that. Now, Leary can run a little bit. Like, he's not a statue, but he, I mean, he, he's not a dual threat guy. And I mean, what Levis wasn't a true dual threat, but kind of was. They would do some quarterback design run stuff with him. He'd pull it out every now and then. Uh, so he was a big, strong, athletic guy. Like, like physically, the dude's got the tools. I see what I see what the NFL guys see in him physically. Leary is not quite like that, but he does all the things that quarterbacks that played a high level at the college level, he does all those things very, very well. He goes through progressions extremely well. He largely makes good decisions with the football and he's extremely accurate. He will put the ball on the receiver when the guy's open, which is, again, something Will Levis simply could not do, at least not with any sort of consistency. If Devin Leary can stay healthy this year, and I readily admit that is a major if. Honestly, that is my biggest concern when it comes to my win total bet that I have on Kentucky to go over six and a half. Can Leary stay healthy? Because he's got the injury history. But if the guy can stay healthy, he is going to be highly productive in that offense. I truly, truly believe that because I've seen him do it at NC State with le- with fewer weapons, to be honest with you. I don't think he had the weapons at NC State that he's going to have at Kentucky this year. And on top of Leary coming over from NC State, you also have the return of Liam Cohen. Yes, the guy that left for the 2021 season parlayed that great season into a job as the offense coordinator at the Rams. He has left the Rams after one year and has come back to Kentucky. Yeah, they cut bait with Scangrello like fast. He was back. I was like, when you have the worst offense in the league in basically every major category, like you can't keep the guy around. Like that's that's malpractice if you do that. So he's gone, he's out, and they get Liam Cohen back from the NFL. And I think that's huge for them, man, because I think you have a better quarterback, a guy that actually fits what Cohen really wants to do, a guy that can go through progressions, a guy that understands what defenses are trying to do from a coverage standpoint, a guy that can actually be accurate and actually hit receivers when they're open. I think that marriage is going to be highly productive for Kentucky this year. Now, the big question, the thing that could derail all of it outside of the injury potential for, for Leary, outside of that injury potential, is the offensive line. Can they be better than they were last year? Now, they're not going to be back to what they were in 2021, in my opinion, because they don't have those kind of guys. And I, I really, truly hate it when people say, well, it can't be any worse than last year. Um, yeah, it could. Like, who says it can't? Like, they gave it 46 la- sacks last year. They could give up 50 this year. I don't know. Like, it, it always could be worse. I, I never understand that phrase. Like, yeah, it could be worse. And like, when people say like, well, they have to be better this, this year because they just can't be as bad as they were last year. Why not? Like, Tell me, what do you have? Like, what evidence do you have to tell me that they're going to be better this year? You can't just say, oh, well, I think they're going to be better because they were so bad last year. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I, I, I can't buy that. But what Kentucky did is they went out to the transfer portal and they, they brought in some guys, okay? Now, I cannot tell you how good this offensive line is going to be, all right? It's still a major concern for me. I do have hope with the guys they brought in that it will be better than it was last year. How much better? That certainly remains to be seen. But at the very least, we can say this. They are not working with the same five guys they were last year. And that's something, right? Like, that at least gives you a chance to be better because, I mean, they were bad guys. It was so bad. Like, it, it was, again, I, I, I'm not a Will Levis guy. And even I'm sitting there like, dude, I, I, I kind of feel for you, man. 
they just they couldn't block anyone. They could not block anyone. They couldn't run block. They couldn't. They definitely couldn't pass block. So that remains my biggest concern. I need to see it before I like fully, fully believe it. But even if the offensive line is still not great, I think there's enough on this team for them to get over six and a half wins with their schedule. And I also have faith in Cohen to kind of mitigate some of those issues more than I did with Scangrello. And like, it's really hard. It is. It's hard to mitigate a bad offensive line because like if you can't block anyone, how can your offense function? It's tough. But there are some things that you can do to help out a poor offensive line. And I think Liam Cohen's more equipped to be able to do that than what you saw from Rich Scangrello last year as our offensive coordinator. So offensive line still a concern for me, but I, I do believe it will be at least somewhat better this year with the guys they brought in from the transfer portal. And then you look at the running, the running back position. This is a position where they, they've been really good for a while, right? I mean, they had Benny Snell, then you have Chris Rodriguez, who was basically the same guy as Benny Snell, just big, strong, tough, physical, not really a fast guy, not really a home run kind of threat, but will just ground and pound and break tackles and refuse to go down. They just fit the, the identity of that Kentucky offense to a T. He's gone. So you think, well, okay, well, you lose your quarterback, you lose your running back. Like, man, I don't, I don't know. Like, are they really going to be better? Well, yeah, because they went out of the transfer portal and they got another really good, strong running back. They got Ray Davis from Vanderbilt. I know you guys are saying like Vanderbilt. I don't, I, again, I don't know how much you watched Vandy last year. Cause I, and I don't blame you. Vandy, like it's Vandy. Like it's not fun to watch Vandy, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you I watched every Vandy game last year. I didn't. I watched a couple here and there, parts of games here and there. Uh, but Ray Davis was good. He was probably their best player. Not probably he was. Him and Will Shepard were the best players on offense for Vandy last year. He was a thousand yard rusher for Vanderbilt last year. And he has now transferred over to Kentucky. And he's, again, he kind of, he just fits in line with what you saw from Benny Snell, what you saw from uh, from Chris Rodriguez in the past couple of years. He's a big, strong, powerful, powerful physical runner that fits that Kentucky offense perfectly. And then you have a guy named Jaton McLean that comes back to kind of back up Ray Davis this year. I mean, Davis is going to be the guy. He's going to be the featured back. But McLean's a kind of a, a little bit of a change of pace kind of guy for them, giving a little bit more versatility back there. So I like what they have at, at the right back position. And then finally on the offensive side of the ball, the receivers. Let's talk about these receivers, guys. Now, the receivers are part of the reason why they weren't great last year because they were young, but they were really talented. You can watch these guys and say, okay, these guys are going to be good. And they showed flashes. I think Barryon Brown, who I think's got the highest ceiling of all their guys out there, I think he went for over 100 yards, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was, it was like 100 and something yards against us last year, primarily against Keeley Ringo. And we know, I mean, Keeley was what Keeley was good, solid, but not elite. And, um, Got to give Kentucky's offense, offense some credit. They they recognized that, and they attacked him off play action. And Barryon Brown, more often than not, was the guy that they were utilizing to attack Keely Ringo, and he went for over 100 yards against us. That guy has got ability. Now, he was not that guy game in and game out. He wasn't consistent because he was a freshman. But he has high-level potential. Fast, long, great hands, just an explosive receiver. And then on the other side, you've got Dane Key, who's very similar to Brown, like tall, long, good hands, not as explosive as Barry on Brown. I mean, Barry on Brown's a big time guy in the return game as well, but Dane Key gives him another really good threat out there at receiver. And the guy that I did not think would come back, he transferred over from Virginia Tech last year. He was supposed to be the guy that replaced Wondell Robinson. He was going to be their top receiver last year. It didn't really work out that well for him. He had a fine-ish year. I think it was like 400-ish yards. It wasn't great. It's a guy by the name of Tavion Robinson. The thought was he was just going to move on, but no, he came back. So like, he gives him a little bit of a, he's a senior now, he gives him a little bit of a veteran presence. So you got these young guys who are highly talented. They still have to be able to go out there and, and do it consistently. But I think in year two, you're going to see a big jump from both those guys, Dane Key and Barryon Brown. And you throw in Tavion Robinson coming back as a veteran presence. I think you could see a team that very well could throw the football a lot more effectively, especially with a new quarterback and William Cohen back calling the plays, could throw the ball a lot more effectively 
than they did last year. Again, all dependent upon the offensive line. Can the offensive line hold up enough in pass protection and not give up 46 sacks last year? Can they just give up like 30 sacks or 35 sacks? Like if they can, if they can improve to that level, I think this Kentucky offense can take a, a big step forward to maybe the middle of the pack of the SEC. I don't think it's going to be a, like a, a top half of the SEC type offense. I don't think they're going to be that level, but I think this could be an offense that's hovering around like seven, eight, somewhere around there. And that's fine. Like if you can go from 14 to like seven or eight, you can make a pretty big stride. And guys, let's not forget, they did win seven games last year with the worst offense in the entire SEC. So if they can just get back to like competence offensively, which again, as you can tell, I'm pretty confident they will with Liam Cohen and Devin Leary, these receivers like Ray Davis, if they can just get back to competent, this team absolutely can win eight or nine football games. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, guys, let's flip things over to the defensive side of the ball and as I told you guys earlier, the offense was the problem last year. It was not the defense. Defense was solid. Defense was really good last year, guys, as they have a habit of being under Mark Stoops. If I remember correctly, remember, I don't have the numbers in front of me here, but off the top of my head, they were second in the league in total defense, and they were like fourth or fifth in yards per play defensively. So any way you slice it, they were a top three to four defense in the SEC last year. And that wasn't the expectation. If you go back to last year, a lot of people, the reason they were high on Kentucky was the offense. They were buying into the Will Levis hype. They were buying into Chris Rodriguez and all that. And they remembered all oh, the offensive line was great. And they thought oh, the offensive line would be great again next year, even though they're losing everybody, which was crazy. But most people weren't as high on their defense. It wasn't the defense they were consistently talking about when they were talking about Kentucky coming in last year because they were losing a lot of key players off that defense from 2021. And they were going to be working in a lot of new young players into that defense last year. And you know what? Early on, like there were some issues at times, but as the season progressed, those new young players really, really came on and started to play at a really, really high level. And coming to this season, they have a couple of players that I think could be maybe the best players in the SEC at their position, or certainly on the short list of best players at their position in the SEC. I'm going to start on the defensive line. They had this guy named Deion Walker. I don't know. Like, he's not a household name, but if you watch Kentucky play, if you watched him play last year, especially late in the season when he really started to come on, you notice this guy. Deion Walker has a chance to be one of the best defensive linemen in the entire SEC. Like I, I'm serious, guys. I'm not ready to say he's going to be the best, but I think he's on the short list. I think he's in the conversation. He's a big, powerful dude with some athleticism. He's 6'6", about 350, athletic guy, strong, powerful at the point of attack, really good punch, plays with really good leverage. He's really just physically dominant at times, and he is the anchor. he's going to be the anchor of that defense on the interior of that defense line. Now, they do lose Justin Rogers. He's transferred over to Auburn. We talked about him last week on the Auburn version of the Scout and the Enemy episodes, and he's good. Justin Rogers is awesome. He was one of the, if not the best players on their defense last year, which means he was one of the, if not the best players on their entire team last year, and he was a big four-star recruit a couple years ago, the type of player that Kentucky usually doesn't get, and they had him for a couple years, but he's transferred out to, I guess in his mind, bigger and better places. He's gone to Auburn this year, which I don't that's weird. I don't know. Like it's, I think Kentucky's going to be better than Auburn this year. So I don't like, 
It's a weird move. It's a weird move. But hey, it was. I'm sure it was an NIL thing. Winning becomes less and less of a priority for some of these guys each and every year. So yeah, he's he's gone to Auburn. Sure, it's an NIL deal. But Deion Walker is still at Kentucky. He's still in Lexington. This dude's legit. Like this guy is a real guy. And I I think pretty early in the season you're gonna start to hear this guy's name. Especially if Kentucky gets off to a hot start this year, which they could. But their schedule heats up later this season. But the first part of the schedule not that tough. I think they can actually get off to a nice start. And as people start to pay attention to them, I think he's one of the guys that people will be paying attention to. And then on the edge, they have a guy named J.J. Weaver, who wasn't super productive as a pass rusher last year. I think he had like three, three and a half sacks, if I remember correctly. Remember, no stats here in front of me, but off the top of my head, it was like three or three and a half. It wasn't anything that was like eye-opening, but he's one of those guys. When you watch him, you're like, man, yeah, that dude, that dude can be good. Like he can be an elite player. It kind of reminds me of Adam Anderson in a way. Like I'm not saying he is the same player as Adam Anderson. I think he's probably better. He can do more things than Anderson did. But remember his first couple years, Adam Anderson would flash and show you like this like elite athleticism and pass rushing ability, but he couldn't consistently stay on the field because he was light in the britches, couldn't really defend the run, those kind of things. And he just wasn't like a consistent threat out there. But you could see the potential, right? You're like, man, if he could just, you know, grow into this player. It's kind of what I've seen from J.J. Weaver. It's like, okay, man, like I see the ability there. It's just like, can he put it all together? And he really did start to do that last year towards the end of the year. Now I need to see it consistently from him, but like he's got the tools to be one of the best pass rushers in the entire SEC. If you match him with a guy like Deion Walker on the interior, I mean, I think you got something, man. I mean, and they also add this guy from North Carolina on the defensive line. A dude by the name of Keyshawn Silver. Love that last name. Man, Silver, that's, what an incredible last name. Love that. But Keyshawn Silver, I know you're saying, well, he came over from North Carolina. North Carolina's defense sucks. Yep, all true. But Keyshawn Silver is one of the, he was one of the Silver Lions in that North Carolina. I mean, God, that was, I did not even intend that pun, but it came out. So yeah, no pun intended there. But he was one of the better players on that really bad North Carolina defense. He comes over, I think he's going to add some quality depth for them. I know just some kind of reading the things as they went through their uh, their spring practice, their coaches seemed to be really high on him, had a really good spring practice. And they have another guy on their defensive line who's a really intriguing prospect. Um, he's not as big, not even close to as big as Deion Walker is, but he's still a really good player. He's only 6'1", 275. Like, he's one of those players, like you guys know, if you used to play in high school or whatever, you always have that one dude who was like, on the defensive line, he was like 190 pounds, but he was like the best defensive lineman on the team because he was just so much quicker and faster and more athletic than everybody was, that was trying to block him on the offensive line. He's kind of that kind of guy, like obviously not that small, um, but he's 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 he is short. He can, he can play the leverage game. He can get under these guys. He's quick. He's a penetrator in the backfield, and he gives a little something different on the defensive line, so I like him as well. I think they have a lot of really nice pieces up front on that defensive line. And then the second level, the name to know is Trevin Wallace. I mean, when you lose a guy like DeAndre Square, who was really good for them for a long time, inside linebacker, you you think, well, Kentucky, man, they're going to have a tough time replacing a guy like that. And they they do, usually. And Trevin Wallace wasn't that guy from the jump last year. Again, like defensively, open the season, there were some bumps in the road, but they got a lot better as, as, as the season went on. They got more reps, and they got more experience. Trevin Wallace was, was awesome towards the end of the season, guys. In fact, he's another guy, and tell me if you've heard me say this before, another guy for this Kentucky defense I think has a chance to be one of the best players in the entire league at that position. Do I think Trevin Wallace is going to be the best inside linebacker in the SEC? Probably not. But just like I said with Deion Walker, I think he's going to be on the short list. He is one of those new age three down linebackers like N'Kobe Dean, like Smile Munden, where he can stay on the field every play. 
Like he doesn't, he does not have to come off the field on obvious passing downs because he's got that kind of athleticism. He has the sideline to sideline type speed. He fits well against the run. Not the biggest, strongest guy, but he does a really good job defending inside the box. Showed a lot of really good instincts in that linebacker position, which as an old linebacker coach myself, I put a lot of emphasis on that. Sometimes you just got to have those natural instincts playing that position. See ball, get ball. Like it's a big part of it. And it sounds so easy. Like, yeah, doesn't everybody do that? No, they don't. Not everybody does. Channing Tindall was a fantastic example of that. Love Channing. Absolutely love the guy. But man, like his general lack of awareness out there at inside linebacker was, was staggering at times. Elite skill set, elite athleticism, but man, just like playing that position, just kind of knowing what's going on. Like, I was like, dude, like, are you in outer space right now? Trevin Wallace does not have that problem. Trevin Wallace is like a very instinctual inside linebacker, great speed, great athleticism, can certainly feel well against the run. Really, really like that guy. I think he's going to be really good for them. Now, this, the third level, the, the secondary is where I do have some questions about this Kentucky defense, if there are questions. I don't, and these aren't serious questions. I just don't know if they have like the definitive answers. They do in the front seven. They're losing some big-time players. Like, Carrington Valentine was a really good cornerback for them last year, one of the better cornerbacks in the SEC, and nobody really talked much about him because Kentucky wasn't that good last year. They lose that guy. I mean, that that's a tough one to replace. They bring in a guy named Jonquist Hardway from uh, Cincinnati, who, you know, watch, uh, I didn't watch a ton of Cincinnati last year, watch a little bit. He's a solid player. I mean, he's a guy that is a, a sophomore transfer to him. He's probably going to filling in that boundary corner position for them. Uh, Andrew Phillips is probably going to be the guy that's going to play the field corner for them this year. I need to see it from those guys because I haven't seen a ton from them. Honestly, I just haven't seen them play a ton. So I can't sit here and tell you that they're going to be great. They're going to be this, they're going to be that because we haven't seen them play for Kentucky. We haven't really seen these guys play that much. So we'll see. They, the, I will say this. The coaching staff was pretty high on them throughout spring practice. Now, what does that mean? Like, I mean, coaches aren't usually going to come out and say, God, man, we just, we suck at corner. They're not going to say that. So I don't know. I don't, I need to see that early in the season. Uh, I, I like what they have at safety. I think Jordan Lovett's a pretty solid player for them back there. Showed me some things at times last year. and got some opportunities. Zion Children's probably going to be the guy for them at, at the strong safety position. I also know they have high hopes for one of their freshmen, this guy named Jeremiah Anglin. Now, you guys know, you hear me say it all the time, like, you never want to be in a position of having to count on true freshmen to be impact players. If you get that from that's great, that's gravy, it's awesome, but you never want to be in a position to count on that, and I don't think they're counting on that, but I know they're high on him, and I believe he can have a chance as the season progresses to kind of work himself into that starting lineup, but the secondary is the spot. If there are questions for this Kentucky defense, that's it. It's there in the secondary. But when you have the front seven that's going to be as good as I think the Kentucky front seven is going to be, it's certainly going to make life a lot easier for the secondary because I, I do think a guy like J.J. Weaver, I think guys like Deion Walker are going to be able to really make life uncomfortable for quarterbacks in the pocket and really help out that secondary that might need some time to kind of grow into things. But yeah, there we have it, guys. Uh, that's that's really what I've got for today here on this Kentucky edition of the Scout of the Enemy episode. My candle is... The wax is, is very quickly dwindling here, so I need to get out of here, probably replace this candle. I know this is a little bit short of an episode today. I apologize for that, but I think we fit in a lot of good stuff. Like We fit a lot into, what, about 40 minutes here? Hopefully, you guys now have a much better feel for this Kentucky team. You kind of understand why I'm much higher on them coming to this year than I was last year. I will say, I'm very glad we get this game at home this year because I do think they're going to be much better this year. And let's not forget, guys, last year that game was 16-6. 16-6 is the closest game we had in the regular season outside of the Missouri game in Lexington. That and I, If you've ever been to Lexington for a game, like I'm not going to sit here and say like it's the craziest environment ever, but when we come to town, 
it gets wild, man. Like when the number one team in the country comes down, the two-time defending national champion, everywhere gets wild. But that they have a good fan base. Like they care more than people want to want to give them credit for. Like everyone thinks it's just a basketball school, and like yeah, it is a basketball school. But they have a really good football fan base. If you ever been down to Lexington, or up to Lexington for one of those games, like you know what I'm talking about. Like they they care, man, and like they will absolutely get into it. And if that Kentucky team was able to keep it within 10 points, I know we didn't play well in that game. A lot of that was on us. And we kind of just got the lead and kind of just salted it away. I mean, that's kind of what we were trying to do. But if that Kentucky team was able to stay within 10 points of us, I mean, this kind of this Kentucky team's going to be better. So if we played in Lexington this year, it's one of those games. Like, yeah, I got, I've, we did an episode. I got asked the question several times this offseason. Like, who's the Missouri game this year? Like, if, if we were playing in Lexington this year, I would say, yeah, it's Kentucky. But we're not. We're playing them at home. So that's still not going to be necessarily a cakewalk because I do think it's going to be a good Kentucky team. We should beat them pretty handily because we're just better than them. But I am glad that we get that game at home because that would have, certainly have trap game written all over it if we were playing in Lexington this year. But all right, guys. So I don't know. Real quick before I get out of here, I don't know when this episode will be up. I'm hoping it'll be up sometime tonight. I'm hoping my power gets back. I don't know. But I cannot get this episode uploaded until the Wi-Fi comes back. I can I can record it. Don't need the Wi-Fi for that, but I cannot upload it to all the different podcasting sites you guys like to listen to unless we have Wi-Fi. So I'm going to be waiting up as long as I can tonight for that to happen. I'm probably going to doze off here eventually, uh, but if I don't have it up tonight, I'll have it up hopefully tomorrow when Power comes back. Hopefully it's back tomorrow. We don't, I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, yeah, just want to put that out there. So if it's a little late, that is why. But have a great weekend, guys. Hope you guys, uh, hey man, we're, we're getting closer and closer. What, now we're past SEC Media Days. We're, what, six or so weeks away? I don't even like saying that because it it's so close. Like we are, we've officially entered like so close but so far away t- territory. That's where we are right now. And uh, it's, it's good that it's close. But oh my God, like just get here. Just get here. But anyway, guys, uh, have a great weekend. Whatever you choose to do, have fun. I'm Tyler. As always, go dogs.